Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be a part of this year programming. Glad to have you. Uh, those of you on the phones need to be patient because I got to I gotta dive into this story. There's actually uh, a story that just dropped at CNN that is deeply relevant to it. Uh, let me begin with the CNN story. Here's the headline. It's by Michael Warren and Gabby Orr. I know Michael Warren, great reporter. Uh, actually, conservative used to be at the Weekly Standard and good guy. Glad they hired him at CNN. He's a really brilliant reporter. Trump-backed Purdue struggles in Republican primary challenge in Georgia. Listen to this. This is CNN. I'm sure they'll attack him, the liberals at CNN, but listen to the story. David Perdue kicked off his campaign for governor of Georgia with an emphatic endorsement from former President Donald Trump. But since then, his primary challenge to unseat Brian Kemp, the Republican governor Trump loves to hate, has been a big flop. Perdue, a former U.S. senator, has so far raised a fraction of what Kemp has in his campaign war chest. Very few Republican elected officials, operatives, donors, and activists in Georgia have abandoned Kemp in favor of Purdue, and limited public polling isn't promising either. I think Purdue's on life support and knows it, says one neutral GOP operative who requested anonymity. The Kemp momentum is palpable. The Purdue campaign is drawing attention from around the country, in part as a test case on the GOP's tolerance for Trump's vendettas. The former president remains exceedingly popular within the party, but his relentless focus on the 2020 election may have put him a beat behind Republicans who have moved on to other issues. At the same time, Georgia Republicans are easy to, eager to hold the governor's office in a general election against Stacey Abrams, who has only risen in national prominence since her loss in 2018 to Brian Kemp. Democrats recently won not only the presidential election, but also both U.S. Senate seats in the state, handing Biden a majority to advance his agenda while humiliating the GOP in a once reliably red state. Since he launched his campaign in December, Purdue, who lost a runoff to the Democrat John Ossoff, who dresses up like Star Wars characters, has struggled to bring aboard the network of political donors and operatives that have supported him and his cousin, former Governor Sonny Purdue, in the past. One such figure is Alec Pointevent, a former Georgia Republican Party chairman during Purdue's governorship, and a National Party activist who chaired David Perdue's successful Senate bid in 2014. Despite Point of its close ties to the Perdue family, he's supporting Kemp's re-election. Even GOP Senate candidate Herschel Walker has remained neutral in the gubernatorial primary. And although he raised more than $100 million in a Senate bid in 2020, this time David Perdue has not been able to translate Trump's endorsement into financial or political backing. Purdue has reported raising only $1.2 million, about half of the $2.5 million Kemp reported in the same period. Purdue reported cash on hand of less than $900,000. Kemp has $12.7 million cash on hand. Now, that's from CNN. That's about Georgia, but this translates nationally the state of play between the Democrats and the Republicans in the nation. Voters' opinions about Joe Biden's handling of the pandemic are a big anchor weight on the Democrats. Just 39% of registered voters approve of his job performance, according to the latest political poll. 57% disapprove. 
Those numbers, by the way, mirror the CNN poll that some Democrats argued were the outlier. Democratic governors are rushing to get ahead now. Think about this. It is not a coincidence. Think of all of the things Democrats have flipped on in the last two weeks. They flipped on masks. They flipped on vaccine mandates. They flipped on school closures. They flipped on masking of children. They flipped on uh, vaccine pressure on children. They've sided with parents over school boards. And by the way, breaking news, this is happening right now. The Biden administration has just decided COVID-19 is no longer considered a crisis. That's just happened. They've just talked about it at the White House. COVID-19, no longer crisis as of today, just an, just an endemic virus. Big, massive messaging changes. What's happened in the last two weeks? The Democratic Governors Association met behind closed doors on January 31st and February 1st and presented confidential polling to the Democrats about their loss in Virginia and the state of play for 2022. It is not a coincidence that after that briefing, Democratic governors started rejecting mask mandates and siding with parents. In the last 96 hours, Democrats in the House and Senate have met with their pollsters behind closed doors and seen the lay of the land and how things work. As I have mentioned earlier, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee says if the Democrats don't do something different, they're looking at an R plus 14 tidal wave of Republicans in November. We've never in the history of this country seen an R plus 14 wave. There's another problem for the Democrats, and it's a significant, laughable problem. Uh, Charlie and I and Philip, we were on the phone this morning, and all of us were laughing about this. 49% of voters want mask mandates removed. 43% say it's too early for states to rescind the mask mandates. 65% of those people who don't want the mask mandate gone are Democrats. And the Democrats are furious with the Democratic elected officials for getting rid of the mask mandate. So in order to get the votes of the public at large, independents, moderates, Republicans, they have to alienate their Democratic base. You alienate your Democratic base, they're not going to show up for you. And the Republicans and the independents and the moderates are still so pissed off at you, they're not going to vote for you. This isn't good. By the way, a plurality of voters still feel local government should be encouraging the vaccines and masks in indoor spaces, but that's a seven-point drop since September. 49% now, less than a majority. At the height of the pandemic, anti-masking only showed up in Republicans, and even independent voters overwhelmingly stood with the Democrats. Not anymore. And then, I mean, just 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 take into account all of this stuff. You've got the Democratic Party base is furious with the Democrats. Yesterday, I mentioned a Reuters story. One in four Democrats don't think the Democrats have done enough to use their power to push the GOP and, and to advance legislation. One in four Democrats don't. 63% of Democrats don't think the mask should come down and disagree with Democrats for taking the mask down. If the election were held today, Joe Biden would lose to Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders in a Democratic primary. 
And then, as I mentioned, in San Francisco, parents revolted and threw out three progressive school board members in a recall. I mean, they took the time to collect signatures. They went door to door. They built the signatures. They made the case. They ran a campaign. They got it on the ballot. And last night, they won. It's rare for a recall to win. And they won not just one, but three of them. And now the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee is warning R plus 14 in swing districts. That's really bad. The Democrats are really, really panicked. And the Democrats are urging Democrats to lie in order to win. They're literally telling Democrats to say they don't support open borders and amnesty, which is a lie. Republicans, though, they've got problems. And this gets back to the David Perdue piece. In various states, Donald Trump can make or break candidates, and it appears that in Georgia, to a degree, it's waning. Now, here's my theory in Georgia. There are a bunch of candidates who have Donald Trump's support. In fact, I'm told reliably President Trump is trying to find someone to run against the very popular attorney general in Georgia, Chris Carr, Republican, and thus far hasn't had any takers. But my, my sense is what may happen is that Republicans in Georgia will say, oh, we're sticking with Brian Kemp, but we'll give Trump everybody else. So they'll vote against Brad Raffensperger, Secretary of State, put in someone Trump supports. They'll vote for Trump's pick for Senate, for lieutenant governor, if he finds an attorney general. I mean, that, that's something the GOP has to worry about. But as time goes on, that fades. Ironically, one of the funniest things that could happen that could throw everything for a loop is there's a federal judge in Georgia considering redistricting, and he could move the primary in Georgia to July. If that happens, it continues to allow Trump's energy to wane, uh, to decline, and helps those who are not supported by Trump. At the same time, 69% of Republicans say they want Trump to run again in 2024. At the same time, 50% want to move on from talking about the stolen election. Half the Republicans are tired of it. Only 37% want to keep going. The rest aren't so sure. So really, it's more than 50%. And then there's the, the the percentage, the 69 who want Trump to run again for office. Now, uh, some of the polls I've seen, the polling average is about 60%. And I, I do wonder, are we to take these people seriously or literally? It's a phrase that was used about Trump. My sense is they don't want to tell pollsters that they're ready to move on to DeSantis or someone else. They want everybody to know how much they love Trump. And, and by saying we want him again in 2024, they feed the pollster that line. But do they actually want him in 2024 or are they just saying that to signal that, yes, we love this guy? The problem here for the Republicans is that Trump's interference in primaries might cost them the ability to pick up the Senate. They're having problems in Pennsylvania. They're having problems in Ohio. They're having problems in Georgia. They're having problems in Arizona. The only place where the GOP is united is Nevada. In Arizona, it looks like Doug Ducey, the Republican governor, is the only one who can win. And yet he's the one that Donald Trump says, if you get in, I'm going to destroy you. In Georgia, he's backing Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker has a lot of baggage that's starting to come out in, in news reports about police reports and stuff that's going to be used by the Democrats to alienate independent voters. It may very well be one of those things where 80% of Republicans say, hell yeah, he's our guy. 
Uh, we remember what he did for the state, and we love Donald Trump. And then you get to the general election where there are a whole heck of a lot of people in Georgia who did not live here back in the glory days of the 1980s Georgia football team. They say, there's no way. Could put Warnock in the Senate for a full six years. Both parties have problems at this point. There are some states where Donald Trump absolutely will make a positive impact in a race. There are places where Donald Trump can play and have a real positive impact for the GOP, but there are other places where it could hurt him. Arizona being one of those places. And the GOP's got to figure out how to thread that needle with Donald Trump. And also, you know, the longer he stays around, in all honesty, all candor and honesty, I am firmly convinced as long as Donald Trump continues to be a player on the political scene, what's going to happen is a whole bunch of Democrats are going to continue to try to destroy him. I think if Donald Trump did an announcement tomorrow and said, you know what, I'm not running in 2024 and I'm done with politics, I'm going to go enjoy life, all these investigations will go away. And if, if he keeps going on, the Democrats are going to do everything they can to bankrupt him and throw him in jail. They are scared to death of Donald Trump. And that in and of itself should give a big red flag to everyone here. The Democrats themselves think Trump could get reelected, and that keeps him in the game. And who could blame him? We'd be far better off right now with him in the White House than Joe Biden. Every poll says so. I fundamentally believe that's true. Whether I care for the guy personally or not, I think the country itself would be better off if he were still in the White House. But the Republicans have problems. In Georgia, it's the Trump Republicans have the problems. He's promised them the moon and can't even get them fundraising dollars. Nationally, though, in general elections, in Georgia and Arizona and Pennsylvania, candidates who have Donald Trump's endorsement, about 50% of voters in those states say that'll hurt them, not help them. But you know what? The reality is, I'd still far prefer to be a Republican in this environment than the Democrats because the Republicans have some problems. But Trump is both manageable and he's not on the ballot. Joe Biden's not on the ballot either, but he's at the forefront of people's minds because he's the president of the United States. So, yeah, Republicans have some problems. They can deal with them. And in some states, Trump actually helps far more than he hurts. And the media doesn't like to pay attention to that fact, but it's true. But it's the Democrats who everywhere they are in the country – except Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, and one other state, not California, not Delaware. I forget which one. Uh, Vermont, that's it, Vermont, Massachusetts, Maryland, and Hawaii. Joe Biden can help candidates in literally every other state in the union, including his home state of Delaware and the state of California and New York. If you are tied to Joe Biden, you are more likely than not going to be toast in November, and the Republicans are going to tie all the Democrats to Joe Biden. So it's a far better year to be a Trump-endorsed Republican than a Democrat tied to Joe Biden. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch, and you're thinking, eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer. We actually have Bull and Branch sheets, and yes, they are an ad. Yes, this is an ad, but yes, 
I really am a customer. I only like to do ads for companies that I really like, and I love Bridge. So does my wife. My wife actually heard the ads, and she wanted to try the sheets, and now they are the sheets in our house. Branch does not cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften, and they only use 100% sustainable raw materials. They're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your Branch sheets as they feel against your skin. They are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great. And every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at BowlinBranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's BowlinBranch, B O L L. A-N-D branch.com promo code Eric E-R-I-C-K. Yes. Yes, you should text recipe to three, three, seven, seven, seven. I'll send you back the link. I actually sent out a recipe earlier. It is my bacon wrapped jalapenos. Now everybody has a bacon wrapped jalapeno recipe poppers. They call them. I have the best one. I do. And you can get it by texting the word recipe to 33777, you can sign up for the list. Now, you can get the free list and you get all the recipes or you can pay and, and really what you're what you're subscribing with like, I think it's 30 bucks for a year is you're actually helping me buy all the groceries to do the recipe prep and all to get you the recipes. But nonetheless, let me tell you, uh, those of you who subscribe, you chipped in, you helped me develop this recipe. Here's the secret to it. Breakfast sausage. So you ground your breakfast sausage, and then you add the cream cheese and the cheddar cheese to that, and you stuff the jalapenos with that. And then instead of wrapping a dinky half piece of bacon around, you do a whole piece of bacon. And you can put it on a grill and a smoker or like a pellet grill or the oven for about 400 degrees, and my gosh, are they delicious. They are, and they're easy. You can get the recipe by texting recipe, single word, not plural, recipe to 33777 and get the recipe. Now, you know, I mentioned this the other day, uh, the great subsidies out there. By the way, if you're on the line, uh, hold on. I'll get to your phone call here. I've only got about a minute or so here. I didn't want to do an injustice to your phone calls. 877-973-7425. Mentioned this the other day. Uh, the Biden administration, uh, because they can't get Build Back Better passed, and now that everybody's worried about spending and they want to give the gas tax holiday and or give a gas tax holiday. The Green New Deal people are really upset. Turns out all the people who built green businesses waiting for government subsidies are going to have to wait a little longer for the government subsidy. It's not coming. And they're starting to get really mad about it. And in getting mad about it, well, they're about to have to start laying people off because they were waiting for all this government largesse to come, and it's not coming. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez told him it was coming, and it's not coming. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on this here program. Now, we got other stuff we got to cover, including... Uh, a story from the other day that I did not get a chance to get to about Levi's and the Wokes. But before we get there, I got to play you some audio. Because as I told you, the gun control crowd is coming for us. And Joy Reid, who is not exactly an intellectual giant, 
but has a show on MSNBC that rumors say is soon to be canceled. Uh, well, she's not all bright. We got to admit it. And I got to play you this audio from her. I had to apologize to Charlie for making him listen to this idiot. All these Republicans who are claiming to be just so concerned about the kids. Ron DeSantis was an incoming freshman congressman when Sandy Hook happened. Where was his concern then? And you know what's tragic, Governor Christy Noem? The kids across the country have no idea what it's like to go to school without the prospect of an active shooter showing up. I, for one, am eagerly awaiting all of your legislative proposals, other than thoughts and prayers, that address this urgent threat to our kids, since you care so much about protecting the children. And I know when you folks want to do something, you do it. Take, for example, these other Republicans who want to trigger the libs. You remember these pictures of Representatives Lauren Boebert and Thomas Massey? How does cosplaying with the weapon of choice of school mass murderers in matching outfits protect the children? I mean, do you leave those firearms just laying around the house where the kids can get to them? And maybe, just maybe, if Republicans cared about the kids, they could muster the courage to pass a new assault weapons ban, just like the one that Joe Biden got passed back in 1994. You know, the assault weapons ban that Republicans allowed to expire. Unfortunately for actual accountability, Parents and kids are, they're on their own when it comes to school shootings. Oh, yes. Let's politicize the school shootings. This is the latest talking point from the political left that Republicans say they care about the kids. They want the kids unmasked and in schools. And if they really cared about the kids, they would pass gun control. They're trying to pivot. Now, I do think there's some politicization here. And and Joy Reid is just the tip of the spear on this for Democrats. and, And she's not the... Well, she, she's not the sharpest part of the spear. But, I mean, their allegation, their claim is that the Republicans, if they really cared about the kids, they'd go to gun control. They're trying to pivot to gun control. Now, part of this is that the Parkland High School shooting uh, anniversary was four years ago. But a lot of this is they think that they can persuade suburban parents to come back to them on the issue of gun control. And I don't think they can. I think they really genuinely, truly misunderstand the issue. They misunderstand the issue because a lot of Americans understand at this point, given the crime wave and the riot stuff, they can't give up their guns. Now, I know a lot of people who claim to be for guns really want gun restrictions. They want background checks. They want to get rid of the uh, the loopholes that they call it for gun shows where there really aren't. I bought a gun at a gun show and had to do a background check. I actually had someone transfer a gun to me from out of state and had to go through all the process of filling out the forms. Democrats say they want it to be as easy to uh, vote as it is to buy a gun. They've never actually bought a gun because every time you go buy a gun, you had to go fill out all the paperwork and get clearance from the ATF before you can buy your gun. They have no idea what they're talking about. Yet, they think with easy talking points and cheap talking points, they can convey a message to people. And those people who aren't gun owners but claim to be Second Amendment uh, supporters, they'll actually, they'll come their way. There's a problem for the Democrats in all of this. We have more gun owners now than we did, more new gun buyers in the last couple of years than we've ever had before. Every month, it seems like, is setting a record for new gun buyers. Now, I will tell you that ammo is finally coming back. It's been a long time since we've had sufficient ammunition, and we suddenly do, but at a price. It's expensive now. 
but we have a lot of new gun owners in the country. And you know what? A lot of them are black and women. And they understand with the defund the police efforts from the left, as much as the Democrats say they don't want to defund the police, the progressive members do, and they're doubling down on it. Uh, when someone comes to your home, tries to rob you, and you call 911, you're going to be robbed or dead before the police get to you. So you're going to have to take care of yourself. People start to understand this in the rioting. The Democrats overplay their hands on this. Joy Reid and Democrats can lecture Republicans on saying, if you really cared for the kids, if you really were worried about the kids, you'd pass assault weapons bans and the like. If you were really worried about the kids, you would all own a gun. If you're really worried about the kids, you would encourage teachers to arm up and train to protect the kids in the classroom. Because guess what? You're not going to put the genie back in the bottle. People don't seem to understand this, that we have a Second Amendment in this country. The right to keep and bear arms, according to the Supreme Court, is an individual right. You know, I can find the right to keep and bear arms in the Constitution. It's actually there. The Second Amendment is actually in print. I've looked. I went to law school. I've searched. I've done a word search. Can't find the word abortion in the Constitution. There's no right to an abortion in the Constitution. It was divined there by progressive judges. Meanwhile, the Second Amendment right is there in print. You can read it for yourself. So we're not going to go the way of Australia and have a national gun buyback program. We're not going to go the way of Canada or Scotland or the UK or anywhere else. We're Americans. We have a right to keep and bear arms. We can quibble about what it means and the extent of it. But not only do we have that right, we have more new gun owners than we've ever had before. So we, I think, should think differently about guns, and, and that should be we should have all the teachers armed. You know, I'm a proponent of this at my kid's school. So is my wife. She wants all the teachers to be armed and trained. Get them all guns. Teach them how to use them. There's, there's how you solve your school shootings. Oh, yeah, I know some of you think I'm being flippant here, but I'm actually being serious. We're not going to get rid of the guns. And in all of these shootings, the kids who've come to school with the guns, they didn't comply with the law to get the guns. They broke the law. They did something they shouldn't have done to be able to get the guns. It's very rare to have a mass shooting where the people who did the shooting actually complied with the law to get the guns. In Sutherland, Texas, at the church shooting there, the Air Force is having to pay money because it turns out the guy who was able to get the gun there should not have been on the list of people to be able to get a gun. And the Air Force screwed up the paperwork, and so he wasn't on the reject list. And when he went to get the gun, he was able to get the gun because the government itself screwed up. The government itself was supposed to put that shooter on a list that prohibited him from buying guns, and they did not do it. The government itself screwed up. Who's going to protect you from the government screw-up? We have a right to keep and bear arms. You can't shut down the gun store because we have a right to keep and bear arms under the Second Amendment. So you have to think differently. How do you think differently in a country where gun ownership is a constitutional right written into the Constitution that is plain for you and me to read? You don't take guns away. You give guns away. Give them to all the law-abiding citizens. Encourage them all on proper gun use. Let the teachers arm up. Don't just have guards at the schools. Let the teachers conceal carry. You got to think different. Some of you are like this, Erickson, you're nuts. You've lost your mind. But you're not going to get rid of the Second Amendment. You're not going to get rid of handguns. 
All the people who talk about this, even Joy Reid on MSNBC, when she talks about gun control and background checks, she talks about an assault weapons ban. She's not talking about a handgun ban. Most of the violence in this country, gun violence, is from handguns, not from long barrel rifles, not from uh, AR models. An AR does not stand for assault rifle. It's also a magazine. It's not a clip. You got to think differently. Do you know what you call gun owners? Republicans. I don't think it's a coincidence that you're seeing a shift to the GOP from Hispanic and black voters at a time Hispanic and black voters are the most rapidly increasing group of gun owners in the country. I don't think it's a coincidence, y'all. I really don't. People don't feel safe. And you know, there's something else that's happened that I find fascinating is, you know, the Republican Party is the conservative party, but it is perceived as moving in a more moderate direction. So for a lot of the public, for a lot of our our modern history, they they went with the Republicans for national security and for foreign affairs. They thought the Democrats would screw stuff up. And then they were ready to look inward domestically again. They, they bring in Democrats. And they would put up with Republicans who they always thought were, you're a little more conservative than us, but you're also the grown-up in the room. You're responsible. And then they bring the Democrats, oh, we want to have a good time. We want to raise the hem of the, of the skirt. We want, to, we want to have a good time. Let's bring in Bill Clinton or Barack Obama or Joe Biden. And then the Democrats screw up domestically, screw up foreign policy, and they bring back the GOP. But everyone had to hold their breath because the GOP was more conservative. It wasn't just that they were pro-life, against gay marriage, very, very pro-traditional household, very Christian. Now the GOP is not so much. I mean, you had a Republican president of the United States who was banging porn stars, cheating on his wives. Supporting gay rights. Sung the praises of Planned Parenthood, even as he declared himself pro-life. That, that, I mean, I'm, I'm not being disparaging. I'm just, I'm follow along with me here. I'm being truthful. Meanwhile, where did the Democrats go? The Democrats were not in support of gay marriage anymore. They were, you must support it and bake the cake, you freaking bigot, or we're going to put you out of business. The Democrats were not just, well, I'm glad you're pro-marriage, they were also, now show up to the wedding or else we're going to burn you at the stake. The Democrats went from leave well enough alone to, no, no, we're going to allow the boy to compete against the girl even when he hasn't chopped his male reproductive organ off. Nope, we're just going to pretend he's a girl because he says so. And then the Democrats went further. I mean, in Cobb County, Georgia, now you had a teacher show kindergartners a video on same-sex attraction. Let me read for you the description of the piece. Cobb County, Georgia, not exactly a progressive bastion, had a high school teacher, or I'm sorry, not a high school teacher, an elementary school teacher, I believe I was told he was a PE teacher, show a video to kindergartners. Let me read for you the description of the video. A closeted boy runs the risk of being outed by his own heart after it pops out of his chest to chase down the boy of his dreams. Now, some of you will think, oh, heavens to Murgatroyd. They're showing same-sex attraction videos in school. No, 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 no. Don't miss the plot here. 
They're not showing same-sex attraction videos in kindergarten. They're showing attraction videos in kindergarten, sex-attracted videos. It doesn't matter that it's gay. It doesn't matter. I know for some of you it does. If you're a Christian, it matters greatly. But the point here is that why are you showing kindergartners videos about kids who are sexually attracted to each other? You're kindergartners. And the Democrats are like, you bigot. How dare you oppose this? So here's where we are in the country with gun owners, with moderates, with all the other people. The Democrats are no longer the moderates on these issues. You're more likely to find a pro-abortion, pro-gun control, pro-gay marriage Republican out there than you are to find a pro-life, pro-gun, pro-traditional marriage Democrat. The Republicans expanded their tent. And the Democrats, as the rich white wokes moved in, started pushing everybody else out. You you didn't have to agree anymore. You had to participate. And that rubbed people the wrong way, badly rubbed people the wrong way. It was no longer just let's affirm it and be tolerant. It was bake the cake bigot. And that turned a lot of people off. And the Democrats, they don't even realize it because within their sphere of influence and their bubble, those bigots are the bad people. It's just it's a weird dynamic. Demography was supposed to be destiny. But it turns out when you fill the Democrats with a bunch of rich, white, secular Karens, nobody wants to be a part of that party anymore. And the Republicans seem way more reasonable and way more moderate than the Democrats. And you know what? Ironically, the party of tolerance seems very intolerant. And the Republicans, well, guess what? They're the tolerant party now. One of the groups that is Christian and conservative and advancing the conservative movement, even against the Republicans sometimes, is Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is a cell phone company. So how do they do this? Well, they take a portion of their profits and they deliver those portions of their profits to the pro-life movement, to the Second Amendment movement, to veterans and first responders. And you can move your business to Patriot Mobile and use a company that shares your values. Now, I know what you're thinking. never heard of this company before. How's their cell phone service? Well, they're called an MVNO. Congress passed a law. They get to use the same cell towers all the big guys use. So you can use the Verizon towers. You can use the AT&T towers. So you get great service. You get the 5G. You get the data. You get the voice. You get Patriot Mobile. And you don't have to deal with the wokes anymore. And they take a portion of their profits and they give it to the conservative movement. You can bring your unlocked phone over or you can buy a new phone from them. You can even bring your existing phone number over to them. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, and you will get free activation with my name. Now, You're saying, I don't want to use the website. I want to call them. I want to talk to a human being. Well, if you do, you're talking to someone who lives in the United States of America. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, and you can call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them Eric sent you. You get free activation. Or just go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. We need to have a, a moment about a topic we haven't talked a lot about. Uh, The president of Turkey, uh, Erdogan, is in the United Arab Emirates. They have had a frosty relationship for a number of years. In fact, Turkey blamed the UAE for helping a coup against Erdogan in in 2016. The UAE has denied it. They had really bad relationships. Uh, Turkey got very angry with the UAE for suddenly becoming uh, buddies with Israel. While all of this is going on, the Israeli um, minister for, I think, foreign affairs is in Bahrain. 
building relationships with Bahrain on a on an alliance against Iran. The Turks, meanwhile, have disrupted an assassination attempt by the Iranians on a Israeli businessman. A lot of this comes from the Abraham Accords, and Donald Trump will not get credit in the media for the Abraham Accords. He will not get credit for helping secure a peace in the Middle East. He, he won't. They don't like him. They don't want to be honest about it. And there are some who say, well, they're doing it on their own because they knew Trump was going to walk away from them. But a lot of people would say Trump made those threats and began the walk to get them to the table because they all are scared of Iran. So between their fear of Iran and Joe Biden building up Iran again with a new nuclear deal and what Donald Trump was able to do, we're seeing peace break out in the Middle East. It's got to be one of the signs of the apocalypse, the peace before the end. But regardless, to see the president of Turkey and the United Arab Emirates, where I grew up, is actually a really big deal given what's happened in the past few years. To see the foreign minister of Israel in Bahrain or in the UAE, to see them embrace as if they're brothers, is a really big deal. And Donald Trump and Jared Kushner had a great deal to do with that. And they're just simply not getting credit because of biases in the media and internationally against them. And they deserve a great deal of credit for bringing a peace to the Middle East that no one expected. You know, John Kerry, when he was Secretary of State, said there would be an all or nothing peace. It would all come with uh, peace related to the Palestinians or nothing would happen. And he mocked Donald Trump for thinking differently and thinking it could happen. said it never happened. All the experts knew they could not deliver what they've delivered. And yet they did it. They pulled it off. If it were a Democrat, he'd have gotten the Nobel Peace Prize. Jared Kushner's been nominated. Anyone can be nominated for the Peace Prize. He deserves it. So does Donald Trump. There's a change in the Middle East, and a lot of it has to do with Iran being emboldened by the Democrats. But a lot of it has to do with Donald Trump thinking differently about the Middle East, and it worked. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building, you want to build a building, reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.